rankings. Oh, wait, we're doing a rankings of Muppets, <laughs> technically. Dear God, yeah. Greetings and welcome to the Mount Rushmore Podcast. I'm Jeff Hopkins, once again joined by my good friends Richard Manfredi. Hello. Michael Winfield. Howdy. And Richard and Michael, they spend their time arguing with each other about stuff. Uh, what is the Mount Rushmore of different topics? And they've asked me to jump in and kind of be mediator here and decide who is right on this topic, which is uh, Muppets who are not named Kermit. Muppets who are not named Kermit. Who chose this one? I chose this one. And mainly I chose it because, let's face it, Kermit is kind of a, se- a scene hog. Yeah. No Miss Piggy pun intended. Ooh. So I... I, I just thought it, would be, it was a good topic kind of just to discuss because the Muppets are such a rich, full, you know, arc of major characters, minor characters. Everyone's got their favorites. So I thought it'd be a good one to to hash out. OK, what, what do we think about Kermit? Do we like Kermit? Love him. Yeah, yeah Kermit's best great. Muppet. No, uh. <laughs> no, Kermit's great. Yeah. But I mean, he's just so omnipresent that we couldn't have a discussion about Muppets. Without and in fact, I'll I'll I'm go ahead and spoil it. I kind of avoided the the big ones, so I didn't do Kermit or Piggy or Fonzie or oh, Gonzo. Okay, so I ba- I basically tried to. Well, avoid that gets those. rid of every one of mine. <laughs> Great. Well, what what I think we all like Kermit and uh, like I guess Mickey Mouse. He's kind of the I guess the center that which a lot He's of the, the straight man, the really. straight man, straight yeah. frog, if you will. Okay, he's the one with the most motivation in every movie or the episodes like he, he holds it all together like you know it's a crazy cast of characters and he's the one that's yeah making sure that you know whether it's on the muppet show that they get on stage or he's the one that's providing the motivation throughout most of the movies yeah and i think uh when i think of kermit he often seems to do a take to the camera almost looking at us like hey guys can you believe the people i have to deal with mm-hmm. so i think very <laughs> much our advocate as an audience into the world of muppets so so Richard's choice, that means Michael goes first. Uh, mine is the most movie Muppet, which is Miss Piggy. And outside of Kermit, she's probably the most visible, the most, um, I don't know, prominent dealing with humans, too. Yeah. Um, I mean, okay, let's let's get back to the movies real quick. She was a big prominent character in the Muppet movie. She's Kermit's love interest and provides this big motivation, you know, halfway through to, you know, as soon as she finds out that, Kermit and Fozzie are going to Hollywood. She like that's her lifelong long dream as well. Yeah. Um, in uh, the Great Muppet Caper, she was like the center of the big heist, and in in uh, the Muppets Take Manhattan, she was you know the big thing evolved around like their their love story and mm-hmm. getting married as yeah. well. But uh, Miss Piggy is just uh, she's just like the most rounded uh, character. She of is all really the Muppets. round. You're right. <laughs> Not a fat joke, Miss Piggy. I'm sorry. Don't don't come at me with your karate. <laughs> Is this going to be just like 36 minutes of like Miss Piggy impressions and other people doing impressions? Pretty much. Um, I don't know. I, I was I read that Frank Oz described her as a truck driver wanting to be a woman. Oh, that's funny. <laughs> that's pretty good. In terms of like her her motivation as a character, and mm-hmm. um, I don't know. I just I just I love that she. I love that as a character, she's the one like physically that changed the most uh, throughout all of her appearances. Oh, you yeah. Know, not just like when they did like the Christmas Carol, but like mm-hmm. in the 70s, she had long straight hair. And in the 80s, she kind of got all her hairstyle got bigger and more bouffant. Yeah. And even throughout to the character that's on like the Muppets Tonight show, or is it just called the Muppets? Muppets. It's just no, called Muppets. the Muppets. 
the uh, 30 Rock kind of knockoff yeah. office single camera show. It's like she kind of represents whatever fashion trend at the time. And I don't know. She's just uh, – she's so good, too, at, like, just – interacting with humans in like mm-hmm. human situations whether it's on like like a press talk show or something or, or, talk or show, like yeah. even game shows i think i remember her being on uh what's what's the one with the uh the match game is match yeah Wheel match game okay is that the one that has like everyone sitting in all the boxes oh hollywood squares hollywood squares mm-hmm. like you know whatever puppeteer was down there i don't think frank oz was doing it at the time mm-hmm. but like she would always be the the best one to quip of all the muppets and like yeah. look back at you know the people and yeah she can use sarcasm more than kermit can because he's really kind of an innocent everyman who's trying to be on the up and up so. and like fozzy is supposed to be intentionally not funny yeah so i can definitely see that yeah. well that's a great choice so uh richard what's your first so my first choice is rolf the dog all right the piano player of the group also mine and on my list is my my favorite muppet yeah i think i think secretly he's a lot of people's favorite muppet yeah um, he is actually the one that's said to be closest to Jim Henson's real personality. Just with being like kind of level-headed, but also a dry back. sense of humor, very laid back, kind of very quick with a, ri- a wise crack. Mm-hmm. So he's certainly, you know, based on the the piano player that the, at the in the saloon, the kind of wise piano player mm-hmm. who you can go to and pour your troubles out while he sings a song. But I think he's also the perfect straight man, dog. I don't know how you want to say that. Yeah. But if you need a double take done, Rolf's, Rolf's your Muppet. Yeah. He is perfect. I mean, they would pair him up with, with Fozzie a lot, if I remember from the Muppet show, hmm. where they would do a lot of like setups where basically Rolf would be the straight man, and then Fozzie would be doing a, his you know routine of bad jokes throughout the show, and mm-hmm. you would get the, the Rolf double take. And it's let's face it, it's hard to get a a piece of felt to do a double take correctly. So, you know, that's, you know, partially is because it was Jim Henson doing the uh, the voice and doing the, the puppeteering. When and I we was... always think about Jim Henson as being, you know, this visionary, this kind of like bigger, above it all sort of character. But it's easy to forget he, had, he was an incredible puppeteer. He was the one who was actually down there doing Kermit and doing, you know, Rolf and all these other characters. Rolf is one of those characters, I think also like Swedish Chef, that, you know, it, it requires human hands to, you know, fake play the piano or to fake cut up a chicken or whatever. But it's amazing that, like, two people are under there yeah. operating this one character and have to do it within some sense of unison. Like, I think I was reading, like, uh, Jim Henson would operate the head in one of the hands and the other guy would operate the other hand. Right. And, like, I think that it's amazing that they were able to – and do these things simultaneously that it doesn't look like two people. Or right. It looks like there's one person that's, or, you know, one mm-hmm. dog, one yeah. puppet, one felt thing that's doing, that's playing the piano. Yeah, you and believe. Also, also responsible for my favorite song, maybe out of the Muppet, Oove, until something better comes yeah. along. Yeah, yeah. There's something irresistible-ish about them. We grin and bird because the nights are long. I hope that something better comes I think along. I think we have to say ouve like Miss Piggy's that would say it in French. Right. <laughs> <laughs> I I from reading a little bit about the pre-Muppet heritage of these characters, Ralph spent a lot of time open as an opening act in Vegas. Like Ralph was definitely a uh, a well um, tried 
performing character. Yeah, like Kermit. Like, he would be in commercials. Yeah. He was actually the first of the pre-Muppet Show Muppets to really break out, even mm-hmm. before Kermit, because he was on the Jimmy Dean show yeah. of country music and sausage fame mm-hmm. in the 1960s. And he would come on as a regular sort of guest and play a song and interact with Jimmy, and it was mm-hmm. very funny. And, yeah, from that, he got to a lot of commercials. So, actually, before Kermit broke out, it was actually Rolf who was the first Muppet to really make it big. Yeah. I also love that he really helped us warm up to a name that was probably used by a lot of Nazis. So that's that's a big thing. Michael, is there a reason why you like Rolf that hasn't been voiced? I don't think so. I think it's been pretty well established. He's he's just always my favorite. I you know, it, it feels like I'm just piggybacking on what Richard said, but yeah. his scene with uh with Kermit in the Muppet movie where he's he's playing the piano bar and Kermit comes over and they sing their kind of sad song about being treated poorly by women. Yeah, uh, is just perfect. I also like that. Um, maybe it's maybe it's a trait among, amongst all of the Muppets, but he always felt like a dog. Yeah, like he always would still come back to talking about scratch and fleas mm-hmm. and yeah. like he, he. I think he was he was very well recognized as a dog as well and would do dog things. I guess maybe yeah. maybe Fozzie did as well. He well, talked Kermit about hibernating. Would, yeah, mm-hmm. Kermit would occasionally talk about catching flies, but like Piggy, you never t- heard her talking about like wallowing in mud or she, anything. Yeah, yeah, she really... I, all the Muppets, she tried to be the least... She tried to get away from her Muppetness yeah. or her, her true right. nature more than anyone. But maybe, but Rolf, like, he was, he was really fine with being a dog. He yeah. accepted his... He just played the piano very well. He was so laid back, yeah. It's interesting that they got um, kind of – once the Muppets came into the Disney fold, it is interesting to see how Disney characters are only in anatomy, <laughs> mice or dogs or whatever. Other than Pluto, they don't really do things that are associated with that animal. Um, but those – having Rolf talk about getting fleas or scratching his ears or something like that definitely acknowledges he's a dog. Well, when funny. he – I mean, when he was in, you know, his commercials, he was in commercials for dog food. Yeah. And, like, <laughs> he was just he was just great. I just mm-hmm. loved his character. Okay. So, um, gentlemen, how many choices have you l- – I've, I've now done two okay. since Richard and I had the same one. Yeah, so. so I guess I should do my second. Okay. Just kind of double up. Uh, uh, double up. <laughs> now we have to pay the rights for that song. <laughs> right. right. So my second one is Janice. Oh, wow. The oh, for sure. Wow. Dude. <laughs> Which I turned out when I was doing the research on this is maybe going to be a very controversial pick. Oh. Because when you see rankings of Muppets, apparently she ranks yeah. near the bottom on many people's lists for Muppets. Oh, there are rankings. Oh, wait. We're doing a rankings <laughs> of Muppets, technically. Dear God. Yeah. And, you know, when, when or you, I'll post some on the website, several links to Janice, the worst Muppet ever, question mark. <laughs> but the fascinating thing about it is it feels like there's some sort of predisposition against her. Because even the people who really don't like her say, well, it's true that she has a few of the best lines in the movies. And I'm like, wait, she has some of the best lines in the movies. <laughs> That's pretty good. Yeah. You know, the, 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 the classic one would be, and they would do this on the show, too, where there'd be a... a Com- loud conversation at a party or something and suddenly it would drop out and you would just hear drop, drop in in the middle of whatever her weird oddball conversation was. Yeah. Uh-huh. So, so it'd be like the, And I told him, I don't care if I'm not going to pose nude even if it is artistic. Or, you know, there's another one where it's like, 
So, Mom, I said, I am told you, it's okay, even if I'm going to be nude. <laughs> so, it was, you know, certainly the, 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 the Muppet ideal of a, what a bohemian kind of ex-hippie yeah. chick would be like. She seemed the most patterned after actual people or an archetype of a Southern Californian musician. Yeah. Versus the rest of uh, Dr. Teeth, you know, in Electric Mayhem, you mm. really can't tell exactly if they're supposed to be human or some sort of hybrid weird yeah. muppety thing yeah but janice is definitely like female and very liberated mm-hmm. and you know it's certainly a sh- certainly she's one of the characters that really highlights the show was yes the muppets are for kids but there's certainly also elements of the humor mm-hmm. that are more targeted towards parents yeah i don't it's, think a lot of kids were going to get that those jokes no i think i think a kid would be like it, it's just another line that kind of drops out but for human for humans <laughs> oh boy ah, adults oh for adults it's <laughs> kids are human uh not richard's kids yeah i've seen yeah, superhuman <laughs> thank you i love i love the electric mayhem yeah i love that uh they're just such an odd collection of you know like characters things. based on other on other things that were also kind of in jokes with yeah. with uh Dr. Teeth being like a a weird amalgam of uh, Captain Beefheart or Leon Dr. Russell. John yeah, and Dr. John, maybe yeah. uh even Elton John yeah. a little bit like and the animals was like Keith Moon right oh, yeah, yeah. or John Bonham uh-huh. and Floyd Pepper was like a a mix of you know the Johnny Beatles Winter and, kind and of, Pink yeah. Floyd yeah. and just and whatever Zoot was. I do like the, the <laughs> Zoot was like uh, God, what's his name? Tom Scott, who was like a big session player for a long time. Mm. At one point, Jim Henson and company sat around and said, "Who's doing all the acid in this community? <laughs> we need some characters to do the acid. Let's come up with Doctor T." Uh, I think it was last, maybe it was a couple years ago. Um, the band My Morning Jacket uh, was like going. They were trying to strike up a deal where they were going to tour as Dr. T and the Electric, Electric Mayhem, Mayhem, but like that it would have been incredible. Our world's as welcome strangers Everybody's a friend We can always use a friend Favorite stories to tell In our world Because they're kind of like these hippie, psychedelic yeah. rockers, and it kind of just fell through. I think they were going to put out an album, and they were going to do all their songs, but it just never came to be. We'll try to dig that up, too. Yeah, I'll, I'll see if I can find something about it that. It does re- re- bring to mind the Weezer video. where Yes, they, for Keep Fishing. Yeah, and how fun that was to see them in that setting. We are at halfway, and this is the moment where I always ask you, implore you, to go Google Mount Rushmore Podcast and see what comes up. You'll probably find our website, mountrushmorepodcast.com. You might find our Facebook, our Twitter. We have a lot of opportunities to get you into the conversation, and please take advantage of each one of those uh, online venues and give us your thoughts. Let us know about uh, your opinions for episodes that have already aired and give us ideas for future episodes. And we would love to hear from you. We would also love for you to go to um, iTunes or whatever podcast aggregator you have and rate 
and uh, review the podcast. We really appreciate your feedback and you interacting with it, giving it some stars, whether it's one or five, helps other people find out about us and find out if we are their jam or not. So thanks so much for the support you've given us, and please tell your friends about the Mount Rushmore podcast. We are back, and we have each put in our two choices. I think this is such a fun topic because it brings back a lot of nostalgia, but also reminds me how much depth those characters actually had. They've, they've endured for a long time because I think they uh, have a lot of human qualities that are really engaging, we can all relate to, and they're just a lot of fun, even though multiple performers have probably performed each one of these characters. So, so Michael, what's your next choice? My next one is the most famous Sesame Street character, which is Big Bird. No, wait, hold on. Okay, hold on. Time out. Richard, I think Richard's throwing Whoa. the white flag as if the entire Sesame Street cast isn't made of Muppets <laughs> for some reason. Well, that's a, but this should be a separate podcast. Sesame Street characters should be but a separate episode. Kermit's a Sesame Street character. But he's a crossover from the Muppets. He's not originally Sesame a Sesame Street, Street character. came out before the Muppets, so. These are just Muppets. Muppets are Muppets. <sighs> Richard, Richard's a... Uh... Oh, I'm going to go eat a taco while you guys <laughs> talk about this. I'll be right back. Um, okay. Literally going to go eat a taco. Literally Goodbye. Eat. The clenching you hear, um, Richard. Let's talk about Big Bird, Jeff. Yeah. Let's talk about Carol Spinney, who, okay. uh, until my mid-20s, I didn't realize wasn't a woman. Oh, really? Which just kind of shows okay. how progressive uh, I am. And handsome, you might say. <laughs> but uh, since 1969, uh, Carol Spinney's been uh, a Muppet, a full-body Muppet, mm-hmm. uh, as Big Bird, uh, the same year that Sesame Street came out. Um Originally, I guess the idea of Big Bird was that it was it was kind of bird-brained and kind of slow oh. Oh. to the uptake. But then they kind of, I guess, retconned and realized that the Muppets can kind of stand in as actual – they take on the qualities of, like, kids. So okay. Big Bird kind of became like a six-year-old that was – Doing Big Bird thing, oh, okay. or, or, or uh, it's like a like had a six year old level of intelligence oh, and kind of okay. approached the world from that point of view, mm-hmm. and I think that probably helped to draw in kids and relate more uh, than just you know a monster yelling things. Mm-hmm. I think of Bert as being kind of an older type character. There's some other Muppets that kind of have a little bit more, or maybe Oscar, a little bit kind of an older type presence. And uh, Big Bird also has that wonderful innocence and sense of discovery, like E.T. Every day is a new one, and there's so much interesting thing to... And as like a... uh, Some of the things that... Like, I would say the Big Bird's on the Mount Rushmore of Muppet characters. I mean, they they made an entire movie based on his exploits and Mm -hmm. Follow That Bird that came out in 85 or 88 or something. And I have, like, I remember going to go see it, and I remember sitting there as he sung a couple of songs and got the other Muppets and other Sesame Street characters involved. Um, I mean, he also was in the Muppet movie itself. Yeah. Like, he was a character that was an in-joke that was, you know, Kermit and Fozzie were headed west to Hollywood, and Mm -hmm. on the road he was going the other way to, he said, I'm going to go join public you know public, pu- broadcast. public broadcasting in new york and they're yeah. like that's not where you get rich and famous yeah. he was like see you later yeah yeah but i think big bird also stands counter to his isn't the other carol spinney character oscar the grouch yes definitely he's the of the yin and yang that they represent it seems like big bird was definitely the more innocent 
the more positive, the more naive, um, but definitely. Man, that was a good taco, you guys. Speaking what are of we talking innocent about? and positive and naive, <laughs> well, we none about, guys? represents none of those things. Well, the, Richard, that was a hell of a taco, though. Richard's what are joining us again. Uh, the grouch just sat down <laughs> to listen to the big bird finish his statement. <laughs> I, but it's the, well, what do you, listen, I mean, you know, being snarky aside and having having your feelings hurt, you like how do you like how do you deny that some of the most important Muppet characters aren't on Sesame Street, like from a cultural standpoint, like because I, I just they're too so, yes they are technically Muppets, but so are the Fraggle Rock <laughs> characters. Then are they Muppets? Yeah, can I have chosen a dozer? If you wanted, folks, if you wanted to, but <sighs> no, because then that's uh, that should be a whole. S- we should we need to do a whole separate podcast. Okay, on... what about the Gelflings and the, what about the Dark Crystal? I would say those are just puppets. Like okay. why? Why are those just puppets? Because they're from the brain. They're from Jim Henson Studios. Animatronics, There's... I think they have. But I think I think the well, so Snuffleupagus. Is he? Speaking of I Mr. Snuffleupagus. Here, we'll talk about Snuffy Okay, for well, a we second. want your opinions on what you think uh, no, we don't. does define a Muppet. We certainly don't need Richard's opinion. I'm not arguing that... Are you not arguing <sighs> that they're not Muppets because they're Muppets? No, I'm not arguing because that... they're on a kid's TV show. I'm not Because they're not part of the Muppet show, Kermit the Frog, Muppet world. Kermit I is guess, on I Sesame guess, Street. Yeah, I guess you should have uh, rewritten your, the topic to... Finally, controversy. ...of only the Muppets. Oh, uh, anyway, look. Point listen, okay. Listen. All right. All right. We, I, we'll agree to disagree on this. I'm going to talk quickly about Snuffy and, and why Big Bird was kind of important as like a point of view was that, you know, for 17 years, Snuffy or however long he was on the show, or, you know, still on the show, um, was a character that only Big Bird could see. He was he was represented mm-hmm. like this weird imaginary character. And it was important for kids to realize that even if they have bipolar disorder... Even if they see imaginary characters, they can still... It became important for adults to actually learn to kind of trust their kids. And as much as a giant, you know, woolly mammoth-type character that sleeps in a nest with a teddy bear, or, or maybe Big Bird did, or whatever, mm-hmm. like, eventually they started using Sesame Street, or they've all, I guess they've always used it to kind of teach a lesson, and... There was like I I guess in eighty five or eighty six they started talking about like child abuse and like yeah. child molestation mm-hmm. and like for parents to believe the things that their kids say happened did happen and mm-hmm. kind of snuffy kind of, was kind of used as a tool for that. And that's why they had them actually believe snuff. Or that's why they actually had Snuffy become a non mm-hmm. yeah make believe character. Snuffy was kind of a secret that Big Bird was keeping too. So I think well they he did would always encourage. he would always tell them that like oh Snuffy's Snuffy right and I are there doing and, this uh, yeah. and parents wouldn't. Yeah, wouldn't no, see, him. see him. Yeah. So you're saying the McMartin school case is what uh, really drove Snuffy out of hiding? I'd never heard of that. Is this child abuse? Yeah, it was like a big child abuse thing. In Cut. The Cut. <laughs> now that we now that we picked up the show, now that we've really picked up the show, I, we can also mention the real reason I didn't want you to talk about Big Bird was because then we're going to talk about when Mr. Hooper died. And oh. I'm going to get really. Choked up and, and Mr. Hooper sad. went to a farm with a lot of other. He was trampled, he was trampled by his snuffleupagus. Shop owners. You know what's interesting is that the I also associate, and maybe this is one direction you're going. Even though Big Bird was in the Muppet movie as a full body walk around character, Big Bird was allowed to kind of walk down Sesame Street itself. Hmm. So that was one reason why I associate him with a lot of the interaction with the human actors of the show and associate him with Sesame Street. It's funny. It's, and, you know, in 
it's so weird to see like Muppet legs. Like when Kermit's legs were in, when he was riding a bike yeah. in uh, yeah. the Muppet movie, or when like there was that full scene of like a dozen Muppets riding in Muppets yeah. Take Manhattan. Like it's so strange so to see, but like with Big Bird, it does feel like real or it feels yeah. normal. Although if you see like a picture of like Carol Spinney in like half a costume, yeah, and like the legs are up to his like his his nipples and like the rest of it's like the way he is stuffed into that thing uh, is very. It's it's amazing that like. You can operate it. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, if we're talking about the grander uh, kind of universe and what is canon and what is not, I think I should bring up to you guys that in Muppets on Ice, Big Bird is the heavy. He, <laughs> he's the bad guy? He's the enforcer. Like, he'll come out, and if uh, Prairie Dawn is doing a nice little kind of— He'll cut, cut, her. cut you in the, in the hamstring. <laughs> just just <laughs> kneecaps you like, like, like Nancy Kerrigan, just <laughs> whack. All right. All right. Uh, I'm glad there's controversy, um, but I'm interested in hearing what your next choice is. And is there controversy? Uh, I hope not. I'm sticking with the Muppet Show world theme since this kind of got sprung on me here. So I couldn't pick Harry Monster like I really wanted to. Should have. I should have, but I'm not going to because I don't have the research. I don't have, I, I got nothing. So I'm going to go with the Muppet Newsman. Oh, cool. He was the big guy, smiley looking yeah. head with the chin. The glasses? Yeah, glasses, yeah. very 70s Squaresville looking guy. Mm-hmm. And he would do the Muppet News Flash. Muppet News Flash. Segments on the Muppet Show. Mm-hmm. And in the first season, it was usually a way to get him to interact with whoever the guest star was that, that week. So, you know, Cheetah Rivera might be on, you know, the, doing a, a remote interview with her playing some sort of weird character. But after the first season, that it really got weird with him because he had this this nasty habit of having things fall on him. That was the, that was literally the best thing about that show. <laughs> yeah, you know, he'd do a report on on a, on beef prices falling, and then suddenly he cow would come down uh-huh. out of nowhere. Or my favorite one was just he gets gets on there and does something to the effect of breaking news: a newscaster crushed by a cow. What thud? It was like that perfect kind of like Chuck Jones, Monty Python yeah. kind of timing. It was like, bam, bam, bam. Seems very borrowed from laughing as well. Yeah, of. I think there's some element of that as well. Probably stylized maybe a little bit vocally on mm-hmm. the uh, Gary Owens sort of sort of role. But I just remember as a kid, it was just weird and random yeah. and surreal. And anytime he was on, you knew something just really oddball and strange was going to happen. In a lot of ways to me, that sort of summarizes certainly the Muppets. That mm-hmm. sort of sense of humor, where it certainly had its roots in almost vaudeville, and obviously that's what they were portraying with the show, but it also had that very post-60s comedy sensibility, like you said, whether it's laugh-in or surreal stuff like Monty Python's Flying Circus. It was certainly influenced by all of these things that were happening. Yeah, as it was a show about a theater, but that was told on television, it seemed their responsibility to kind of satirize TV news, and that's what they were doing with that. Yeah, and it was always kind of a little bit winking and breaking the fourth wall, and you know, smart. You know, always endeavored to be smart as well as funny. Mm-hmm. Can we, and also, one time that cow fell on him. Did you guys <laughs> remember that? Can we can we do a a, a write in petition? Too. I know that the Muppets kind of started out on SNL too, as yeah. like they had a big influence there. Can we get the Muppet Newsman uh, to replace Colin Jost and Michael Che? <laughs> I'd be on board with as that. As just like the only guy that's reading news yeah. uh, during the weekend update segment and just do it straight faced. And, and then have a cow fall. And then have a cow fall. <laughs> okay, I will get a change.org petition going. 
I think if we get enough signatures, the president has to uh, comment on this. So I think we can do this, guys. Uh, Michael, I think you're going to give us your last choice. My last one is uh, from Fraggle. No, I'm kidding. I'm kidding, <laughs> Richard. Listen. Listen, I don't want to. Don't give me another excuse to go eat more tacos. Uh, I'm afraid I'm going to. And I chose like a Muppet for a new generation, even though it's not really my generation, which is Elmo. And I, you're rolling your eyes and you're hateful. But like it's why I have two kids. Did I mention I have did you guys know I have two kids, right? Well, then you should be well versed in what oh, Elmo is. As oh, a yes. Thing. Oh, yes, I am. It's amazing. Like <laughs> I have I honestly I have no like love and affection for Elmo. Like he he came out or he became popular at a time that mm -hmm. was I, I think he like became a, a, was established as a character in the mid 80s. But then in the mid 90s was kind of ushered in um, to our kind of popular culture as like this our nightmare dreamscape it really was like you know wh whether it was rosie o'donnell and the tickle me elmo situation or whether it was just like 20 somethings that were like trying to really ironically usher in their memories of the 70s mm -hmm. with like how crappy schoolhouse rock was <laughs> but like i think that they're like for whatever reason he kind of took over the role as like the most important Muppet. Yeah, yeah. Um, Wasn't they, he the second, Kevin Clash, I think, was the second person to play Elmo? I think he had been created. And did it for the longest yeah. time, yeah. I think it was a very strong characterization, his personal life notwithstanding, but like that, that, uh, that kids could kind of relate with the point of view of well, that Well, it was like, you know, like we talked about with, um, uh, with Big Bird, was that Elmo played even younger. He was mm -hmm. like three years old or three and a half or four. Yeah. And he kind of spoke in like a very childlike manner. I think, you know, Big Bird was always pretty innocent, but he spoke pretty normally. He's supposed to be three and a half. Three and a half. Mm. So uh, Elmo, I don't like, I don't really relate to him and I don't have kids, but I imagine that like these things don't become cultural phenomenons for a reason. Yeah. Yeah. Like, and I don't know, like, I, he, he has like this weird, crazy extended family I was reading mm -hmm. that. You know, he has parents and a sister and cousins, and they're from all over the world. And I think that's in a, when we're in a kind of global economy and you try to, you know, push diversification, he becomes this character that a lot of different cultures and a lot of different kids can relate to. Mm -hmm. uh, he's not just, I don't know. Yeah. I, so I, I think that like the culture around him and, and how he became popular for a, you know, and has stayed popular for, you know, 20 years now. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I think he's pretty deserving, yeah. even even though I, you know, whatever. <laughs> he can go kick rocks. <laughs> well, he, I mean, he even had a movie. Like, he had a movie. Of all the other, like, Muppets or puppets to, to, to have movies, mm -hmm. other than Big Bird coming out of that, like, he's, um, he's yeah. there. He went to Grouchland. Was Sesame Street originally aimed at preschoolers, I think? Yes, it's pre because the the education level was really just introducing us to letters and numbers. It was made for inner city kids who didn't have access to, like, jump head start or or a, oh, you know, okay. preschool programs that would get them ready for school. And Elmo definitely seems to be that in that age range, whereas like some of the other characters, I think Bert and Ernie, they almost feel like a comedy duo aimed at an older generation. Elmo is a hot dumpster fire. <laughs> and I, I hate this pick. That's the taco usually, talking, buddy. Usually, usually I, I'm very complimentary, and I, I usually more or less agree with your picks. This is hot garbage. Is it because he's Sesame Street? It's because 
No, not even that. I was so taking that out of the equation. <laughs> Elmo is the symbol for what's kind of gone wrong with Sesame Street since when we were kids. And it was this very sort of. There were hey. a lot of different things happening. You had all these characters that made up Sesame Street. And you would get these drop-ins from Harry Monster or, you know, later on Tully or, you know, these interactions with Oscar the Grouch, the Count. And now that damn show is half Elmo. I mean, it literally is half Elmo. I mean, they he pushed decided- all those other garbage characters out of the way and said, <laughs> uh, El- Elmo here. <laughs> El- Elmo says, you guys need to go or I will break your knees. El- Elmo's agent uh, comes in and is just like, uh, Elmo needs top billing now. Big he's Bird. like he's like the Elmo. Or he's like the Steve Urkel of Sesame Street. You know how Steve Urkel was like a minor character on Family Matters, mm-hmm. and then he got successful, and the show basically became about him. That's what it's like with Elmo. If you watch any of the new Sesame Streets, so the, the, before they had the Elmo's World, which was a second, almost half hour of just secondary, just Elmo stuff, and now I think it's like a musical. He does like his own musicals that they have, and it's like. You don't get time with Big Bird. You don't get time mm-hmm. with Grover or, or or Oscar the Grouch or any of these other great Sesame Street characters because we got goddamn Elmo for a half hour every day. <laughs> All right, Richard, uh, let's get your last choice. Now, Elmo's the worst. I, I uh, Representative of the downfall and decline of something beloved. I'm sorry. Did you say something, Jeff? What my only beef with Elmo is that I felt like he was the baby from Dinosaurs character just kind of transplanted <laughs> into Sesame Street. That's, That's pretty good. I yeah. like that. Yeah. Also, also, would that be a Muppet? Michael? Oh, stop. Oh, come on. He's he's so angry wow. right now. Okay, what's your last choice? I'm glad I've worked up my anger because this last choice is a character who Oscar the Grouch. has a lot of anger in him. Manson Muppet? <laughs> yes. Chucky. Chucky. No, it is Sam the American Eagle. Oh, yeah. And what a, pres- a prescient character. Because, let's see, it's a right-wing conservative character who often doesn't know what he's talking about, has a lot of bluster and anger, who uh, wants to push everyone out of the way and dominate the uh, screen time. I'm amazed that it took 28 minutes for us to make a Donald (laughs) Trump joke. Yeah. Yeah, I mean. Woo, new world record. Toupee. Bad, bad, bad kind of hairpiece thing going on on the top. Sam the American Eagle is really great. And he, again, he's, he kind of showed the way that the Muppets and the Muppet Show could kind of thumb their nose at at a lot of society. And I don't want to say it got too political, but certainly he was sort of the the conservative buffoon to whatever Janice's kind of hippie liberal sort of do whatever sort of mentality. You know, they would have the shows where he would basically act, act as the censor and just not understand anything that was going on. There's one episode where Rudolf Nureyev was the guest star. And first off, he doesn't let him into the into the into the studio because he doesn't believe it's Nuriyev because he's just walking around in like normal clothes and not dressed up. And then he doesn't believe that Nuriyev's not an opera singer, so he's always doing things like that where he's very set in his ways and things that he loves, and he's very adamant about things. And usually, he's got the facts all twisted and wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, and so, in the, like in the Muppet, the reboot, the uh, Jason Siegel one. They had him as they're getting the kind of the gang back together. That montage, he was a like a fake Fox News commentator, That's which was funny. kind of perfect yeah. for him. Yeah, 
And I just remember as, as a kid, he was sort of the, he was the embodiment of the kind of the, the stuff shirt parent or grandparent or relative or teacher who was just super conservative and boring and someone that you just wanted to get, please shut up. Why are you talking about this still? Yeah, Reagan, great. I don't care. That was kind of Sam, the uh-huh. American Eagle. Yeah. Well, um, cool. So we've um, each presented our four choices. Now this is an opportunity that I have as judge to just my moment in the sun. It's my time to shine here. It's my on this sequence going to sparkle right now. And my choice is um, the Manamana Muppet. <laughs> I don't know what his name was. Maybe his name is Mana. Manamana. This is like uh, Star Wars expanded universe. Yeah. Uh, that would be his name, just based on the, the one thing that he said. <laughs> and I would say, even though we joked about a Charles Manson Muppet earlier on, he probably is the closest to the Charles Manson that Muppet. That is so scary. Of all of them, with his uh, gang of ne'er do wells who all kind of follow his instruction to sing Manamana. So maybe we'll even have an opportunity to put a video in the the um, show notes. So the uh, song, the Menomina song, I don't know if you knew this, was originally written for a, a an Italian softcore porn movie <laughs> called Svizia Inferno e Paradiso. Perfect Italian. Sweden, heaven, and hell. <laughs> and it's a, according to Wikipedia, an exploitation documentary film about the wild sexual activity and other behavior in Sweden. Wow. That's fascinating. I have no idea. Well, I love that Muppet, and I love his uh, freewheeling life that he lives. And, and you love Swedish <laughs> massages? Everybody knows that. Yeah. Okay, so at this point, I get the dubious duty of picking a, a victor in this uh, really contest that I think when you're talking about the Muppets, nobody's a loser, really. But um, I was really fascinated with the choices of each of our contestants because they also reflect, I think, kind of somewhat of their personality. Um, Richard was very much, I think, leading with what the— the Muppets did really well was kind of comment on culture, and a lot of his characters were the ones who kind of either stepped out of pop culture or made observations, such as the newscaster or Sam the American Eagle, um, about culture and how it was either going to hell or not what it used to be. And so I find that really fascinating. Richard's a very sharp cultural critic. Um, and you know what I love about Michael is he always kind of goes from the gut and kind of with his emotions a little bit and really just pick the characters that he loved, whether they were the kind of, mo- some of the most popular or not, we had Rich Miss Piggy, we had Big Bird, we had Elmo, Ralph the Dog, some of these characters who really didn't dwell mu- much in sarcasm or um, uh, commentary. And so uh, this time, the, it was ju- really just a coin toss mentally, and it kind of went with one of the reasons that I love the Muppets the most. There were many things to many people, but I really love them is the sincerity of those characters. So this time I'm with Michael Winfield. Manamana. Manamana. So Michael wins this one, and Richard is has. There's. I th- we had a Taco 12 pack at the beginning of this recording. We do not have a Taco 12 pack there. <laughs> we have a Taco one pack. If you if you eat a Taco 12 pack, you ha- do not have a six pack. We could just say that. <laughs> <Two of them. laughs> well, I imagine Richard's going to drown his sorrows in taco. Damn right. Yeah. Uh, this has been the Mount Rushmore podcast. I'm Jeff. I'm Richard. I'm Michael. 